This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on Zoomer Radio. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we are also on 96.7 FM. I'm Walter Rigabon, your host. With me this morning, as usual, in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. In the house with us this morning, a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. Morning, gentlemen. How are you today? It's a pleasure and a privilege to have you back. Uh, I understand uh, you were at the Toronto Maple Leafs game last night. I, I wasn't watching the game. I, I tend to uh, unfortunately miss the ones where they're very successful. I was actually watching Star Wars last night. So, <laughs> so the the, uh, the Leafs uh, gave their version of. Uh, the uh, the Empire last night and uh, took down the the L.A. Kings in a pretty uh, impressive performance, five to nothing. Lou, uh, you were at the game. Uh, your impressions and Naz, I know you were watching the game also. On I, your did, I did. I did. I think it was a pretty good game uh, compared to uh, to what they usually play in our building here. It was more or less. Uh, Bernier came up with the big saves when he had to early and uh, he broke on a lot of confidence on on the players in front of him. And it was, uh, I guess, the, it was a tight game, two nothing. I think going in with about five minutes left in the game, where uh, once the Leafs scored that third goal, the Kings just more or less came back, and uh, they scored. The Leafs scored two more goals. Yeah, it was one nothing at the end of the second, so it was a very yeah. tight game. But you know, LA had played their sixth game on a road trip, and that's their last game, and they they looked tired in the second and third period against the Leafs. Certainly. But give credit to the Leafs; they they deserve to win last. Uh, want your thoughts on uh, Bernier? Like I said, I wasn't able to take in the game last night. Uh, Jonathan Bernier, shout out! Um, is this uh, we're turning a chapter in the Jonathan Bernier not, story? Not, uh, not just yet. Not just yet. Naz, come on, tell me. Uh, nah, more consistency is needed with uh, Bernier. And what don't did, forget, Bernier went down in the AHL, had three shutouts, shutouts, and then the next game he got. Yeah. Uh, Hit hard, five goals, and then five goals against uh, Tampa on Monday night. And Wednesday night, he relieves uh, Sparks and uh, gives up another three goals. So, What did you find impressive about his performance last night? Oh, he's consistent. I, I thought he made the saves when he had to. He wasn't overly tested, but when he was, he, he did a great job. And certainly uh, impressive performance from uh, my favorite, my current favorite Toronto Maple Leaf, Uncle Leo, Leo Komarov. I think he's up to uh, 13 goals. It's 13 goals, I believe, and he's never scored more than 14 in any particular season. Uh, and it's a contract year. <laughs> uh, he's he's going to do well in a contract. It's a contract, sure. it that... a contract year. It is a contract year. He plays a bit like Lou Franceschetti did. Well, he no, does, he, man. He's probably, a banger. He's a banger. Yeah, he's a banger. He's probably the most physical forward that they have. Uh, he's a guy that comes to play every single game and every single shift. And... Uh, 
he doesn't get the the nice goals. He gets all the ugly goals. And I think right now uh, th- that's what the Leafs were missing uh, a few years ago when they went back to Russia to play. And uh, you know, it, good for him, good for the Leafs, uh, and they got him in a perfect situation and a perfect lineup right there. Where you know he's a little bit of an energy guy. Anytime that they're down, they put him on the ice, and uh, he'll go out and. Uh, uh, run over a few guys, and even last night, he even ended up by blocking a few shots on the uh, on the LA power play. Well, you're listening to the voice of Lou Franceschetti. Uh, Lou, welcome back. Of course, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, on our show today. Just want to introduce our guests who will be on shortly after the break. Michael Fuda, Michael Fuda, return appearance to the Nazawali Sports Hour. He's the vice president of hockey operations and the director of player personnel for the Los Angeles Kings, and considered one of the uh, Bright hockey minds in the in the NHL uh, certainly takes a lot of credit. Uh, of course, with uh, of course with the rest of his staff and uh, Dean Lombardi, of course, as well, for the uh, success of the Los Angeles Kings, who, in in my estimation, together with the Chicago Blackhawks, are probably the two model franchises in the NHL over the course of the last five years. Michael Fuda, we'll be talking to him this morning, and uh, shortly at the middle of the hour, we have Michael Trakos, Michael Trakos, National Hockey Writer. For Post Media, if you've been following the Toronto Sun all this week, uh, a brilliant four-part article about the cost of minor hockey. Certainly looking forward to talking to Michael Trakos. And uh, Naz, and, uh, I know you have a history in minor hockey uh, yeah. with, with, your, with your sons, and I know, Lou, you have a history with minor hockey. And, and uh, minor hockey, one of the, one of the big issues uh, is cost, and uh, certainly... Minor hockey is not cheap sport. Uh, it costs costs a lot of money to put kids through hockey, and a lot of sacrifices to be made. And uh, your impressions on on that topic, Naz? You've been through yeah, uh, a lot of experience with with minor yeah, hockey. Yeah, you know, things have changed in the past past years. You know, you look at uh, the cost of ice, the hourly cost of ice, like Kingston, Ontario, which is not the GTA, GTA, right? They pay $375 an hour for ice. And I think the GTA is like 450 or 475 And that's a scary number because, you know, being involved in minor hockey, we used to pay maybe 10 years ago about $130 an hour. And things have really skyrocketed in that end. And I think that's the biggest problem with uh, the cost in minor hockey is the ice time. The ice time. And, I'm, and you know... You know, we hear this complaint all the time, um, and Lou, you can you can throw your two cents worth anytime you want. We hear this complaint all the time. I've been hearing it. I mean, I coached I coached minor hockey uh, in in the City of Vaughan Hockey Association for years back in the mid '90s. Uh, coached a few years in the GTHL, uh, and it's you know the cost of minor hockey is not a topic that's just arisen. We were complaining about it back then. Yeah. It just—it just hockey is inherently an expensive sport for for a couple of different factors. Is you're using equipment that's expensive, and you know, and it's relative to. I mean, you, you know, I always compare minor hockey compared to soccer or basketball, and you know, hockey's got expensive equipment. Skates are expensive. You want to compare the cost of a pair of skates to a pair of running shoes, and you've got to change them every, almost every single year, if not right? every two years, right? because of the skates feet are expensive. Unfortunately, you know the days of the two dollar fifty Sherwood that used to, we used to go buy at Canadian Tire. Um, that that went by. That's that you find those in the Smithsonian now. I mean, 
You know, fortunately, you I find I, him in your backyard, Wally. <laughs> okay, don't hang it, hanging with the tomatoes. Hanging with the tomatoes. Okay, put the tomatoes on it. I mean, we all grew up with Hasplers. It's not bad for two dollars and fifty cents. Okay. You know, you, you know, you know the point I'm getting at. We grew up with Hesplers. We grew up with Sherwoods. We grew up with these sticks, five bucks, and we played we played ball hockey with them out there. I mean, I I, I don't know if I ever broke a stick other than. You know, when you used to play on the streets, you'd 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 end up uh, you'd end Wearing up rubbing out, you'd blade. end up ramping down the bottoms of them. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I can only imagine, I can only imagine, you know, growing up in the early '70s, and you know, you guys would probably echo this point. If I had have gone to my father and asked him to pay two hundred or the equivalent of a two to three hundred dollars for a, for a hockey stick back then, or four hundred bucks for a hockey stick, or eight hundred bucks for for a pair of skates. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but my father would have looked at me and said, like, like, what are you, you know what? What are you drinking? What are you smoking? And so we got the cost of equipment. Uh, you know, you have to build these arenas. These arenas have incredible capital costs. The cost of hydro has gone through the hydro. roof. Okay. We, Who's we, responsible for hydro? Oh, Wally? don't get me into my political discussions, <laughs> Naz. I know you're trying to get my goat, but I, I try to stay non-political on the show, but... I have very strong opinions about uh, what has gone on with hydro in our province in the last 15 years, but I'd probably better keep them to myself. And I'll only say the cost of hydro has gone crazy, and it's probably the biggest cost involved in in keeping an arena going, and that ends up in the cost of registration. Yeah. Right? I agree. I agree. It ends up, and and you know, we say the cost of minor hockey. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where. And we're going to talk to Michael Trakos about you know hockey at an elite level, and hockey at an elite level is in a totally different category. But hockey at a, let's say at an A at an A rep level or a house league or whatever, um, it's expensive. Yeah. And that's just the nature of the beast. It's just the nature of it. But there's you know I I mean used to say I mean I had a boy and two girls. I mean, I sent my two girls for, for dance classes, and you know what? It was more expensive than hockey. I mean, it's, I guess it comes down to the sacrifices you have to make. Well, I, I think more or less it's, it's a sacrifice that the parents have put themselves through or, or going through uh, for the seven or eight years that the kids are going to play hockey. Because realistically, they're going to start at the age of nine years old to play competitive hockey till the age of 15 or 16. And you're looking at your holidays are gone from those years you got no Christmas, you got no New Year's, you pretty well you've got no life because you're constantly running back and forth. These kids are at the rink two days for practice and two days for, for games every every single week. You got tournaments, you got you're allowed three tournaments per year. So there go your weekends on tournaments. Usually one of the big tournaments of the of the year is the Marley tournament at yeah, Christmas. It's coming so, up. Yeah. So there there's your minor midget tournament, there's your Bantam tournament, there's your Pee-wee tournament. And you should see how many people from North America and Europe flock to these arenas to watch these kids play and progress. Hold that thought, Lou. We've got to go to break. We'll be right back after break with Michael Fuda, Vice President, Hockey Operations, Los Angeles Kings. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast dial number just for cell phones by singing it. Pound three six three six no pound three six three six no Come on baby pound three six three six Come on baby pound three six three six Let's go ring to it 
Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. You're listening to us live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on Zoomer Radio. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we are on 96.7 FM. In studio with us. In studio with us this morning, we of course, we have Lou Franceschetti. And I've uh, had a little difficulty getting hold of Michael Fuda this morning, but we do have Michael Trakos, national hockey writer for PostMedia.com, who has written a very, very interesting and important article in this week's Toronto Sun, a four-part article on the cost of minor hockey. Uh, certainly an important article and a con- uh, an important contribution to the discussion. Michael, good morning. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on, as always. It's it's a pleasure, Michael. Listen, thanks for joining us. And uh, first of all, congratulations on uh, on what I thought was uh, was a very thoughtful and very uh, interesting article on the cost of minor hockey. Well done. 
Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I hope uh, as many parents um, of hockey kids read this because uh, I think it's one of those articles that um, illuminates um, a lot of kind of hidden costs or a lot of costs that maybe we just kind of glaze over as hockey parents when we're just kind of uh, that passionate about the game. So thank you for saying that. Oh, it's, it's our Michael, I, I read uh, I read the articles uh, and um, both uh, myself and my co-host here, Naz Marchese, have been involved in minor hockey over the years, as a coach, uh, I've been out of it for about 15 years because that's when my son hit about the age of 16, 17. Uh, anyway, I moved on, so I've been out of it. And I, was, I found it striking that certain things have transpired in minor hockey that I was completely unaware of, is this whole concept of academies. That uh, I was, I was uh, personally, I was unaware that Connor McDavid had attended, uh, had attended a hockey academy. Peak. Peak. Uh, just to explain to our listeners, Michael, uh, what uh, what these hockey academies are, the costs of them, and who they're appealing to. Yeah, sure thing. And I, I think a lot of people are, like yourself, uh, a bit unfamiliar with the concept of a hockey academy. Um, but you know what? It, it is becoming a growing trend where you're seeing a lot of NHLers go to um, what are essentially prep schools um, with the notion of instead of going to class for electives such as math, or sorry, such as art, um, music or a gym class, um, you're basically on the ice um, during the class day. Um, you're off ice training specifically for hockey. And essentially, you're, you're trying to spend as many hours uh, of the day on the ice. And in some cases, um, a couple of academies I've, I um, actually visited, uh, the academy is in a natural hockey rink. So you've got a dressing room. Uh, down the hallway, you've got a dressing room on one side of the hall. Uh, on the other side, you've got a classroom, and then a couple steps away, you've got the actual uh, ice surface. So um, just think of it as you're going to school at a hockey arena, and um, these are becoming quickly um, an acceptable development stream for uh, top-end athletes and just even kind of want to be uh, professional athletes or professional hockey players or even major junior players. So uh, the list is kind of astounding. Um, the World Junior Tournament is going to be starting up on Boxing Day, and I think 12 of the 30 kids that were invited to uh, the selection camp uh, all went to a hockey academy and names such as Mitch Marner. Um, you mentioned Connor McDavid, well, Joe Hicketts, who could possibly be Canada's captain, went there. Um, it's You go across the country, and they are basically being founded um, at an alarming rate now. Um, in the last 10 years, it's really kind of exploded, and um, when the, the kind of scary thing I think is is that a hockey Canada is endorsing these things, and b the price tag to send your kids to one of these kind of uh, preparatory hockey academies is upwards of fifty thousand dollars a year. So <laughs> just kind of think about that for a second in terms of you thought hockey was expensive, and now with um, skills coaches, power skating, summer leagues, uh, the equipment, and now. If you're thinking, okay, my kid has got some talent and he's playing AAA, well, maybe I should send him to a hockey academy. Well, be prepared to spend thirty to fifty thousand dollars as well. Michael, uh, what you were around at the school? What do you think of the quality of the education in the, in those uh, places? It's different, and I think that's the best way to describe it. It's not your typical um, day as a high school student. Um, basically. You've got smaller class sizes, which tends to be beneficial, um, but at the same time, your day starts at 8.30 in a lot of cases, and for two hours you're on the ice, 
while other kids in other schools are, are in classrooms. Um, you're going to class for three or four periods, and then you're back on the ice again. And um, the actual class time, if done right, and if you've got a student that is motivated and is not just there for the hockey, it, it can be a great worthwhile experience. And like I said, whenever you got smaller class sizes and more one-on-one time with teachers, that tends to be a better case scenario than when you've got bigger classes and kids tend to fall through cracks. But, you know, it's not a perfect system. Um, I talked to a lot of administrators, and um, basically um, some are really good. Some are extremely hard to get into, and it doesn't only require um, athletic kind of requirements to get in, but you actually have to have a certain grade uh, point average that would um, be on par with some universities. And, um, the actual schooling there is very strict, uh, structured, but it's not always the case at every academy. And um, I think that's the thing that parents really have to be careful with if you are going down this route is the fact that, you know, do your homework. Uh, find out if your kid is mature enough to handle both um, a very involved athletic um, kind of stream of requirements, almost similar to what a college um, athlete would face, and also be prepared to ask a lot of questions in terms of, um, what the purpose of the school is. Are they just pumping out kids like a hockey factory or are they um, interested in their well-being, whether or not they uh, follow through with hockey after their schooling is done? Now, the, the Peak School that you you spoke of in your uh, article uh, had other sports that they're involved in, such as soccer and I think it was tennis or there's a few other sports. Oh, yeah, Do they charge the everything. same amount, Michael? No, hockey would probably be the most expensive. And they, they have uh, lacrosse, they have a baseball program now, they have a track and field and uh, program. And, you know, their program, if you're a top end athlete, it, it is a dream to go there because you're being, like for the hockey program, for example, you've got Kay Whitmore, who is a former NHL goaltender. He's working with kids there. He's on the, um, he's been, I guess he's on the NHL staff now as the, uh, uh, the guy goes around making sure all the equipment uh, for goaltenders is the proper size. And uh, for the track uh, program, they've got a former Olympian uh, who runs that. And for baseball, they've got a former major league player um, who's in charge of that program as well. So um, in terms of the athletes that you're getting, uh, they're, they're top-notch athletes. So you're surrounded by really good um, uh, players in that respect. And um, in, in terms of the cost, yeah, it differs. Um Hockey, obviously, because ice time is so expensive and um, in Canada right now, that would probably uh, be the most expensive stream. But, yeah, I think most academies, whether they're just preparatory academies for education or sport academies, you're looking at probably a $30,000 in terms of tuition. Uh, we're talking to Michael Trakos, the national hockey writer for uh, for Post Media, uh, and of course we're talking about his four-part article in the Toronto Sun this week, the cost of minor hockey, um, and going back to these uh, these uh, these development of these academies, and 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 quite frankly, Michael, these the development of hockey academies probably is 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 something. Uh, it, it's just the development of almost this concept of specialized private schools and it you know human nature is what what it is and parents will do anything for their children if they think they're giving their children uh, a boost to the next level so and I, and I read your article and 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 you wrote it not so much to be critical but just to let people know what's going on uh, how is this different how is a hockey academy different uh, than 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 a parent sending uh, 
a child or daughter, if they're gifted in music or if they're gifted in mathematics or if they're gifted in, in any other special skill set uh, and they choose to send their child to a specialized school for music and they pay a lot of money. How is this any different? It's not at all different. And I think that was the point of it. Um, and you're right. Uh, when I wrote these things, I didn't try to write it with the slant as to um, this is wrong. Um, our game is um, headed down a path that is necessarily bad or good. I think this is just the realities of the world we're living in right now where if you want to be uh, a top-end athlete, a top-end dancer, top-end, um, like you said, a musician, um, it, it comes with a lot of money. And I think a lot of parents are already facing this, uh, um, whether your kid is in sports or in the arts. Um, uh, the higher level um, that they get into, uh, the more costs are, uh, that come with it. And um, the thing that kind of struck me as uh, most eye-opening when I did the series was that a lot of parents aren't necessarily wealthy, but they're spending money as if they are um, really upper-class parents. Um, and they're just willing to sacrifice. And Hockey Canada and other um, institutions have already published a lot of really kind of eye-opening uh, reports where um, parents are either dipping into investment um, resources or um, really kind of the money that has been set aside for post-secondary education. Um, they're already using that now uh, to send their kids to academies or even just play AAA hockey in. Uh, the thinking when I talk to a lot of parents as to how how can you do that? How can you even um, make that make sense of that in your own head? And the thinking was, well, we're spending the money now in the hopes that they either get a college scholarship or play major junior. And by playing major junior, um, that does cover your uh, Canadian university. You get a, a sort of scholarship for every year you play. Um, they're thinking, okay, spend the money now and you don't spend it later, which kind of makes sense, but that is a dangerous, dangerous way of thinking, uh, Michael, especially when you're talking with kids. Yeah, Michael, um, and we've gone through how many of the, uh, how many of the players in the Canada Junior Team, but this, this investment in these academies, um, statistics-wise, and, and I think you've made the point, it's a bad investment in the sense that so it doesn't, you know, the, the number of kids that make the NHL is so infinitesimal that... Um, you know, put, putting down $50,000 a year is really, really a bad investment if that's your end game. If, if your end game is to have your child playing the NHL, your, your, your money's probably better spent elsewhere because the, these academies, do they necessarily improve the odds of making the NHL? They can't. The odds of making the NHL is kind of like almost like buying lottery tickets and saying, okay, I bought... Um, I, I bought one ticket versus buying 100 tickets, and now my chances of winning lottery have gone up that much. Well, almost it's almost the same when you're talking about 8, 9, 10, 12-year-olds in hockey academies. Um, it's going to make a player better just simply with more instruction, more ice time. Whether they get to the NHL, well, it's not as easy as that. And no academy is going to promise that as well. Um, and... In the pure sense, the academy was founded basically um, so that kids could have more flexible schedules because we know how involved hockey is with tournaments that tend to happen even as beginning on a Friday and you're taking your kid out of class. Um, there were a lot of kids who were getting dock marks, um, not doing well in their schools, so the academies came about so that 
It could work with the student-athlete. Um, it wasn't so that we could just kind of pump out the next Connor McDavid, and yet it's almost turned into that um, kind of path because so many top-end athletes go down this route, and it really does set down a foundation as to, okay, well, this is the next accepted stream, just in the same way that um, summer hockey wasn't mandatory, but now if you look at any AAA player, almost every single one plays summer hockey. Almost single, every single one has a personal trainer, um, has some sort of skills coach on top of that. So it's it's one of those things where you can't put the genie back in the bottle now. I think um, the more costs keep incurred on parents, um, the more this is turning into almost kind of a, an elitist sport. Now, the, the, did you get into the house league costs and the cost between single A, double A, and triple A? And because let's push the elite aside for a sec. I don't mean to push them aside, but the majority of players that play the sport are involved in the uh, house league, uh, single A, double A uh, section of their hockey. Uh, uh, did you get into that? Not so much, and because I, I don't believe that the costs have gone up astronomical in the same sense that, like you mentioned, the, the elite-level player has. And I think it's just because if you're playing house league, you're, you're probably not spending the same amount on hockey sticks, uh, skates, and you're definitely not probably getting a personal trainer or um, going to a hockey academy if you're, if you're just playing it for fun on a recreational level. I think uh, where the costs start getting... Uh, a bit crazy is that uh, when you've got a kid who's got a, a level of talent and a level of passion and drive um, where you don't want to say no as a parent and if anything you just want to keep fostering that um, there's more than enough um, um, places out there that'll take your money um, almost guaranteeing that they'll make your kid even that much better and when you're talking about that level I think it's a matter of um, your lockstep with your peers and in a lot of cases you want to find that extra edge where you can even get better than your peers. So uh, I think that's where a lot of the money kind of situation kind of comes into it. And we're talking to Michael Trakos, uh, national hockey writer for Post Media. Uh, Michael, I just want to go back to uh, a point uh, we raised earlier. Is, is, is there, is there with, the, with the growth of these academies, uh, and, and because uh, so, so many of our players um, uh, on the national junior team and uh, and in other areas are coming out of these academies and the cost. Is, is hockey in danger of becoming an elitist sport in Canada? Uh, oh, 100%. If it already hasn't. Yeah. Uh, well, let, let's, let's think about it. Um, hockey equipment on its own just costs a lot of money. Ice time costs a lot of money. Um, even if you're just playing house league hockey, that, that's more than uh, some parents are willing to spend. And um, I'm at that age right now where I've got two young ones, and we're already kind of, uh, that was part of the fun in doing this kind of exercise and uh, working on these stories was that um, it was an eye-opening experience for me, just kind of what the future might hold if my son, um, A, decides to play hockey, and B, um, gets further along where uh, we have to kind of keep up with the Joneses. So, um, yeah, it, it is becoming that kind of elitist sport. And I think the days where you had kids kind of um, coming from the farm and playing backyard hockey and, uh, kind of fluking their way into the NHL just based on uh, their own skill level um, and not having to spend a whole lot of money and coming from kind of mediocre families or, sorry, uh, low-income families. I, I think uh, those days are almost kind of behind us. Um, it costs a lot of money and, uh, to get to the NHL. It costs a lot of money just to kind of get to that next level. And talking with Matt Duchesne's dad, uh, Matt Duchesne is 
making a lot of money in the NHL. He won a gold medal for uh, Canada. He, he spent, he figured, $300,000 in 13 years uh, on Matt Duchesne's kind of minor hockey development. And uh, talking to other parents, uh, they think around two hundred to $300,000 is basically the norm in terms of what you should expect to uh, spend on your kid um, from the time when he enters minor hockey to the time when he becomes an adult. So um, if that's not an elite sport, when you're talking about those kind of numbers, I don't know what is. Uh, we've been talking to Michael Trakos, the national hockey writer for PostMedia.com. Uh, we've been talking about a four-part uh, uh, series of articles in the Toronto Sun, The Cost of Minor Hockey. I highly encourage all our listeners to, uh, you can find that online on the, on the Toronto Sun website. It's a highly interesting article and an important series of articles. Michael, we certainly want to thank you for uh, coming on our show this morning and uh, letting our listeners know what uh, uh, the results of your investigations into minor hockey. Thank you so much. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Really do appreciate it. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks so much, uh, Lou. Uh, we're talking about the cost of minor hockey, and I know at certain times during that conversation you're shaking your head. What, uh, what's on your mind? Well, I, I listen. I, I'm going through it right now. My nephew's in minor hockey in the city of Toronto. I, I was involved a few years ago in coaching. The prices that these parents are, are paying is just ludicrous. Uh, I understand that their goal is to see their son and play in the National Hockey League, which is great. The percentages are unbelievably low. You're seeing a kid at the AAA level starting probably at the age of 10 or 11, spending anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000 every single year. Ice time tournaments, uh, private schooling, uh, private skating lessons, uh, shooting lessons, all that kind of stuff. What boggles my mind is that they've got coaches with no experience making $30,000 and up. And, and we're talking it's about too bad ten, I'm not coaching minor hockey today. We're talking I, must, from the, I must have missed the gravy train because nobody ever offered me any. We're talking about from the age of nine to the age of fifteen years old, and it's all. At what their, level? What levels are we talking triple about? Triple A. Oh, triple A. Tri- okay. Triple A. And some of these parents are on the bench only because their kids are there, and it's it's a way to. If your kid's really good, you can force yourself on that bench uh, and, and get and, paid. And uh, obviously, and paid. a little bit, a little stipend. Yeah. Not much, but the head coaches are, are just regular guys that it, it's just unbelievable. I can understand maybe if an ex-NHLer has got a team like Darcy Tucker. But I know Darcy's not getting paid. Um, he coaches if, at minor midget AAA, right? Who, Darcy? Darcy right now? No, Darcy's coaching Adam. Oh, he's coaching Adam. Adam, okay. and, and I think he's only yeah. coaching the one team, uh, or even minor Adam. So it, it's just mind-boggling that these guys are, are actually taking money from – from their so-called, from the parents uh, and the budget that they have, and people are getting, like yesterday I was at the rink, and one of the guys gets fired with 10 games uh, left in the season. And he was getting paid a pretty good chunk of money. And we're talking at the 12 or 13-year-old level. Hold that thought, Lou. We're, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go to break, and uh, this is certainly a very interesting topic, and uh, let's talk about it a little bit, bit more right after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound 3636 and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? Pound 3636. Wings by the water? Pound 3636. Ponzo combo at the cottage? Pound 3636. Salad at the... uh, Someone stop me. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. 
At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. With us this morning, once again, a return visit uh, to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Michael Fuda. Michael, the Vice President of Hockey Operations for the Los Angeles Kings and also Director of Player Personnel. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Alan. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I don't know if you were listening to our... uh, previous uh, interview about the cost of minor hockey, but we know that you've got three beautiful girls, so consider yourself very lucky you don't have three boys. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, yes, yesterday, unfortunately, with the results uh, of the game, it was their first live Kings game, so I've got them downtown here, and we're just enjoying breakfast together, so they well, certainly enjoyed watching it and meeting them, that they will not have to endure the costs of minor hockey, that's for sure. <laughs> well, anyways, if you've got them in dance, it'll probably cost you more than minor hockey. But anyways, <laughs> the L.A. Kings, of course, are in town. They didn't have the result, I'm sure, that you would have liked uh, 
uh, Michael last night, uh, but they've had a successful uh, successful year so far. Tell us about uh, what's what's been the turnaround for the LA Kings this year. Well, we got off to a slow start. I mean, they're, in fairness, last year, coming off winning the Stanley Cup, I mean, we missed playoffs by two points, and we I think what, got one point out of 12 overtimes and shootouts. So, I mean, it wasn't like we'd fallen off the face of the earth, but in fairness, we didn't. We kind of made things a little flare for the dramatic, and we left things too late. We took too many nights off, and uh, and we got kind of our just desserts. But I guess one of the benefits is getting more time to rest and, and get yourself ready. We had a great training camp, got off to a bit of a tough start going 0-3, but we've been on a great run, um, had a really successful road trip leading up to yesterday. And then, again, it's kind of just the nature of the beast here. It's a National Hockey League, uh, you know, Mike Babcock's done a great job with this club, making sure that they work hard on every night. We weren't ready to go, and they were ready to go. And the, I don't think it was a five nothing game, but that's what happens in hockey. If you take anybody, you know, lightly, and you don't have your A game, that's the end result. And kudos to the Maple Leafs. Congratulations to Jonathan Bernier and Mike. We just uh, have to get better. Mike, uh, December 28, 2011, I've been meaning to ask you a couple of times already. Do you remember that day? Just one second, sorry. <laughs> December 28, 2011, you were at a junior hockey game. Oh, I, I can tell you what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to ask you. I got a 50-50 chance of telling you what. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Just wanted to point out, Mike. You guys want to let us in on the secret here? You got your own private conversation going on here. Mike, oh, uh, no, I was, I, I was uh, traveling for the World Juniors, and uh, I made a pit stop in Edmonton, and I had all of our team tickets, and the staff was set to arrive the next day, and uh, I kept, I guess they've got a thing out west, your point streak, that they 50-50, I looked down, and it was like, they kept flashing like 46000 I kept climbing up, it was like $87,000 for a 50-50 draw, and I I went down to the vendor and I said, what the heck, I've never bought a 50-50 ticket before and they were sold out. So I went out, well, because my luck. And on the way out, a lady just said, yeah, she had one ticket left uh, and, her, and her, they were they sell them out of their hip holsters there with the ticket. So I went in and uh, I bought the ticket. I went up and uh, was staring at the board when they announced the winner for quite some time in disbelief. And I kept rechecking it and I think I broke into a cold sweat. I called the police officer over and I said, does this look like the number? And he went, yeah, you won. So I... Back downstairs and uh, still a little bit numb, thinking that I had won forty three thousand dollars and cashed in the uh, set my ticket down and I had won eighty seven thousand dollars. And uh, Jordy, they told me I had to put my name and I, I uh, Gordon Miller announced it on TSN in such a friendly fashion that uh, Mike Fuda from the Los Angeles Kings had won eighty seven thousand dollars. And within a second, I had. 200 new friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. My, my uh, machine was going off incredible facet. Congratulations and hey, can you lend me a few bucks? Merry Christmas. For <laughs> all time, but it was quite unique. I've never bought one since and uh, I retired on the spot, but it's $87,000. So it was quite unique. We're talking to Mike Food, a vice president of hockey operations for the Los Angeles King. And Mike, we've got in studio with us an old. Uh, an old friend of yours who's a frequent, uh, frequent co-host on the Nesmoli Sports Hour, Mr. Lou Franceschetti. Lou. I saw Lou last night. It was awesome. He looks great. Hey, Michael. Oh, how are you? Yeah, don't fill his, great, head, don't fill his head with too oh, much stuff. We're, we're, trying to keep him, we're trying to keep him grounded, Michael. Oh, one of my first, uh, as a young, I think I was my first 
second our first game coaching in uh, Tier 2 hockey across the bench. I was terrified because I knew Lou through uh, family friends for being an ex-NHLer. He was coaching Vaughn at the time, and uh, we became friends through that and through the ball hockey circles and always admired him as a player, and it was nice to see him last night. And I, I heard his son done exceptionally well there at University of Miami of Ohio with his his uh, strength conditioning program, so it looks like things are going well. Hey, Michael, were you going to tell your wife about the ticket? What's that? Were you going to tell your wife about the $86,000? No, because she became my ex-wife <laughs> 12 months earlier. <laughs> she was about 190 to $200. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mike Rudo, of course, uh, with the Los Angeles Kings. Michael, uh, we have a text come in from, uh, I've got to ask you, from uh, a good friend of our show, the D-General, who has been kind enough to send us a text this morning. He wants me to ask you, how's Lucic fitting in? He says he's looking good. And do you guys have the pieces to make a cup run? Uh, well, I think every team right now, there's parity. Uh, I think when we, our team brings a day game and Jonathan Quick's on, we're, we're as good as most. But I think uh, we'd like to shore up our team on the back end. I think our top guys, Dowdy's playing exceptionally well, but he gets overworked over an 80, you know, over that much time. And same with Muzzin and Marty. And, you know, we lost Matt Green for the year, so that's hurt us. And, um, just depth-wise, I mean, McNabb's been been good, and uh, McBain's filled in admirably. But you, you just need that depth. So I think, like most teams, we're looking at defense. Uh, Big Luch has been great. I think it takes a while for him. He's always been a Bruin, only been a Bruin, and I think it was an adjustment at first. But he's found his way, and uh, he's an exceptional person and a great addition. He plays the kind of heavy Kings hockey that we like, and it's fun going on the road now through the Eastern Conference and seeing what a popular guy he was in Montreal. <laughs> Lou, you used to have them chanting Lou while they're... <laughs> they were not chanting Lou in Montreal the other yeah. night. When he <laughs> but it was good. It's good. He's a great person. I mean, obviously, we like to shore him up long-term here. We're uh, very close to getting Kopitar's deal done long-term. So I think we're going to be part of that mix. It's nice to finally put a little distance between ourselves and the pack. But, I mean, again, if you have too many nights like last night, that'll, uh, that'll dissipate in a hurry, so... Just gotta keep our chin up and keep working. Hey, Mike, I want to ask you something here. Um, how come you get so much success with drafting kids out of the Ontario Hockey League? I know Don Cherry goes about it. How many kids you have from uh, uh, on the LA Kings from the Ontario Hockey League? What is what is the secret, or what, what do you look for, uh, especially with an Ontario kid that uh, might be different from a Quebec kid and, uh, and a kid from out west? And another thing, uh, I guess people don't know that uh, me and you are both inducted into the Canadian Ball Hockey Hall of Fame, right? Well, I take a little heat over that. They don't, Lou. Ron Hextall <laughs> was giving it to me because I said uh, he got inducted into the, I think it was the uh, Manitoba Hall of Fame or something. And I said, oh, yeah, well, you realize I'm a Hall of Famer, too. <laughs> I told Blakey the same thing. It just doesn't have the same luster. I don't know what it is. Uh, all you got to do is just flash that ring. You get in the Woodbridge area, though, Lou. They'll put it on the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they put it on the same drinking. You two guys are incredible. <laughs> no, your first question, Lou. It's a, you know what? First of all, it's part of a. It's a very imperfect science scouting. What I've learned, and it's and uh, we've got a great staff. Uh, I found at the NHL level the ability to do a lot of video, but I think in Ontario, it's almost like insider trading. I think you know the successful guys like Mark Hunter. <clears throat> And a lot of the guys in the Jeff Tuies of the world, uh, they they know these kids really well, and they know them at a young age. And I was fortunate enough; some of my friends coached Tyler Toffoli when he was a young kid, and uh, and I think it's really just beating the past and finding everything you can possibly find out about these kids. And uh, and that's 
that's the big thing. It's uh, I knew that Pearson and Defoley when they were young kids, Wayne Simmons when they were young kids, and if you, it's one thing to find out what you think they're going to be on the ice. It's another thing if you're going to find out what kind of work they're going to put into being a pro once you actually identify exactly what it takes to be a pro. Well, you got to remember, I, I saw Tyler play with the with the junior Canadians on that yeah. stack team with with Cameron. Like, how do you pick a guy out from? And I saw his work ethic, and he, his work ethic actually stuck out over all the players. But how do you pick him out? over that stack team that they had. And, and we both know, I think they lost five games in five years on that junior Canadian team. And as we both know Dan Cameron was responsible for most of those with. Oh, yeah, I forgot he played too. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a coach open the door more often than him. Okay, guys, just go out and play because he knew no. he could be No, 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 no. No, we, uh, I think with Tyler, with the Tyler's case, I think he scored 75 or 80 goals in his draft year. And part of it was... Part of it was just the ability, the way the puck came off his stick. It was so natural for him. And I don't think that trait was teachable. It was just the ability to score goals. The puck came off his stick in a different way. It always found him. And the knock was his skating. And once that I felt, and we as a group, our trainers felt that, first of all, I knew he was going to buy in. But if, once he bought into the fact that conditioning was going to go in, all of his natural gifts took over. So he put in the work in the gym. He put in the work in the skating. And once he found even a... He's an average NHL skater now, but all those natural, unteachable traits he has have kicked in, and he's an exceptional player. Mike, how young do you scout a player at? Would you say a bantam age, or would uh, when would, when does it start as an NHL scout scouting a player? Well, now, uh, just for me now, it's just our NHL draft year, and then uh, we've got a group. Uh, Brian Denny does our previous year. And then, uh, you know, I'm all free agents and pros along with Mark and Eddie and our staff. And we kind of see all the draft eligible kids. Now we're doing a, lot, doing a little bit more NHL pro stuff. But uh, it's it's just an all-inclusive thing. We It's a great staff, you know, effort every time we sit down and, and watch a player. And it's it's, it's, it's just it's, it's a very gratifying job when your team has success. And it's also humbling when you get to hang around with a lot of guys who used to, you know, collect their hockey cards and, and work with them now. And, I mean, as I said, I mean, being around Rob Blake now and have more with Ron Hextel and, and just the whole group that we have there with Los Angeles, it's an absolute thrill. So it's been quite gratifying, my friends. Mike, uh, you talked about Tyler Toffoli's skating ability because, again, uh, I didn't think he was that great a skater when he played uh, at the minor midget level. But he was a great playmaker, and you can see he had the uh, – uh, the the knowledge of of the game. Let's talk about uh, James Richmond, who you guys have just hired uh, as your skating instructor, right through the whole system. How has he helped this year? And from growing up, James probably had the most fluid stride of anybody that I had seen ever. Uh, how did how has he helped with uh, with the minor kids, the kids that are coming up, and also the kids that are uh, uh, or the men that that are on the hockey team right now? Well, James, first of all, he was like, you know, Captain Henry Carr, and I think he hit the nail on the head. He was an incredible skater, great leader, great competitor. And, he, you know, he's been a great coach for the minor hockey ranks. And he played over in Europe, and I felt he'd be an excellent teacher. I, I mean, I, I knowing how he skates, but he explains it so well, and he, he breaks down tendencies and areas of improvement. And I think Tyler's a perfect example of someone that, you know, on top of the conditioning factor, James really worked with, you know, getting the most out of his stride and his pushes and his edges. And it's something that... Just listening to him talk about it makes it simplified for the kids and gives them very small drills and minor tweaks and stuff that they can work on to improve. And the guys, on top of it, they love JR as a person and they really respect him. So I think once they buy into the factor, and sometimes, you know, you get an NHL player that could just say, you know, hey, you know, I want some, I'm happy with my game or don't touch my game. But 
that's the good thing with our group is they've got to buy in at development from all different levels, from park protection to skating. And I think that's why uh, if you ever find a guy at any level that thinks there's no room for improvement, then there's going to be problems. But other than that, it's, it's, it's all positive. Michael Fuda, we're talking to Michael Fuda, Vice President of Hockey Operations, Los Angeles Kings. Mike, we only have a very, very short uh, period of time left. I'm going to ask you one last question before we let you go, and uh, if you can uh, sort of answer this one in, in a minute or less, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, there was a job available earlier this year. Uh, you're one of the bright young minds in hockey. Was there any serious interest uh, in uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs in the position they had available? Well, I mean, you'd have to ask if it was serious from their end. I mean, did they interview for it? Absolutely. And it was an incredibly humbling and, and fun experience going through it with Brennan Shanahan. Uh, I know from the talks I had that it was serious on their part, and it was it was really educational on my part. Uh, but in situations like that, uh, I think you both become better from what you learn from when you sit down from each other. I mean, the thoughts of coming back to my hometown and, in that role, which is obviously, you know, my next step would be to be a general manager. It's it's it's, it's intriguing, but it's got to be right for both parties. And uh, they've obviously, you know, hired some incredible people in Toronto, from the coach up to, uh, you know, I think everybody that wants to be a general manager looks at Lou Lamorello as a role model, as not only as a, a manager, you know, but as a human being and a person. So you, you can't let those things, it's an honour to sit down for them. And, uh, I mean, I know in my case, I did not have an exit uh, I did not have a contractual exit from the Kings to get out, even if I was a successful candidate. And I know that that is something that's not doesn't really bode well for teams when you're sitting down and they know they really can't have you if they want you. So that being said, uh, I'm completely thrilled working with Dean Lombardi and, and the incredible staff we have in Los Angeles. And there's an inside part of me. I sent John Bernier a little text last night telling him how much I hate losing, but I was proud of him. And, I'll always have a little uh, blue heart as far as my new fanism, but I'm a Los Angeles king through and through, and I, I could be a Los Angeles king the rest of my life to be thrilled with that. Michael, listen, we want to thank you so much. Uh, we like, you know, uh, we're, we're thrilled with your success. You are uh, one of the chief uh, cogs in the LA Kings, which we consider one of the uh, great NHL, uh, NHL franchises. I, franchises of today we're very proud of your success and we wish you continued success and uh, thanks so much for joining us enjoy your time with your family with your girls and we wish you we wish you a great holiday and a merry christmas Thanks, Luke. Same to your family. Thanks, Wally. Merry Christmas, Mike. It's our pleasure. See you, Mike. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. That, of course, was Michael Fuda, Vice President of Hockey Operations and Director of Player Personnel, L.A. Kings. He's he's, he's had a remarkable career in management down with Los Angeles. We're so proud of him. And uh, and, uh, like like you said, you've got something in common with him, Lou. You're both in the Ball Hockey Hall of Fame. Although I have to say um, the team that, we sort of played for, I thought was a little bit better than the team that you played for. But Keep we, dreaming. We, See, Mike, we, we Mike, Mike, played for the Ra- Mike plays for the Rangers, too. So Keep dreaming, guys. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hey, listen. Mike is, is one guy that has started from the ground floor and worked his way up. He is truly a guy that was never given anything. He's, he started with the St. Mike's Junior A team. He's worked his way up to, to Owen Sound, now to the L.A. Kings. He has done it the right way. He's worked hard. Uh, his success is short on the ice. He's got three Stanley Cup rings to prove it. Uh, and now bringing in James Richmond as a, as a quality uh, person in that organization to help guys like Lucic uh, become the, the better skaters that they actually are. Anyways, yeah, it was certainly uh, Mike Fuda, um, an important, important part of the LA Kings. Anyways, it's, uh, it's time. 
Uh, we've got to we've got to pack it in for another Sunday, but uh, we've got an important day coming up at the end of this week. So uh, I know that uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Naz, and over to you, Lou. But uh, Lou, I want to wish you and your family uh, a, a fantastic Merry Christmas, and Naz, I want to wish you and your family a fantastic Christmas, and to all our listeners, of course, a very very Merry Christmas to all of you and your family. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody, the listeners, and uh, to all. Everybody's family here, Lou, Wally, Neil Durning, Sebastian, Mary, Sebastian. Merry Christmas, everybody. Guys, Merry Christmas, and uh, thank you for, for this opportunity uh, to speak my mind and uh, give my opinions on most of the stuff here. I know it's, some of it is uh, on and some of it's off, but hey, listen, it's who I am, and uh, hopefully we can get more listeners here on the Sunday mornings. Thanks, thanks for joining us, Lou, and we'll be back next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Have a great week. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.